So we bought a house five years ago. And in the back of the house, there are these doors that open up and you're supposed to be able to walk out onto this surface, except there's no surface there. Yeah, we're supposed to build a deck, but I got a lot of questions. How do I get the right deck, the right size? What's the right cost? Hey, let's build it on radio.com with Corey Heppola and from Lindus Construction, Andy Lindus. And now my wife is getting more and more, I don't want to say angry. She's not mad, but she's, she's ready. Let's just put it that way. She's ready for a deck. But now I, I got to get her the right deck. Andy here. Andy, I, I don't even know where to start with the deck. You know, uh, there's a lot of people that are in your exact situation. You drive through almost any development right now, Corey, and you're going to see maybe half the houses that have decks. The other half of them have that ledger board by a patio door. Maybe the patio door has a board over it, or they have just a patio door out into their lawn. There's a lot of the homes that get built that just don't have those outdoor living spaces. So my best advice is figure out what you want to use it for, and then we'll start to talk about budgets. So if we wanted to use it for, well, lounging, right? You want to use it for lounging, sitting, dinner. We'd like to put a grill up there. And so it's in the back of the house. The, the, the doors would open up. And I think we'd want steps down the side. Yeah, you know, we've, uh, that sounds like a, a typical deck build that we're doing nowadays. But what we really try to do is challenge people to, to dream big. It's nothing for us to put like their the, every wish that they have for an outdoor living space. Let's put it on paper. And then if we have to whittle it down from there, we can. Because you can really run the gamut with outdoor living spaces. I'm telling you, this is, if done right, it's a space that is going to become the most used and your favorite part about the house. And let's not even talk about like if you sell the place, this can be the reason why people buy the, your house. Landscaping's not cheap. Adding a deck isn't cheap. And having that can be the reason why they decide to buy your place over someplace else. And I know this isn't really a fair question because what you would do is you would itemize all these things. But just in general, what would a deck cost if it's a, a wood deck? And, and what kind of wood are we talking about? But if it's a wood deck and there's stairs leading down and what, what, what are we looking at in a price range uh, for something like that? You know, the average deck is going to be in that fifteen to twenty-five thousand dollar range, um, and it really is going to depend upon the type of materials that you choose. Now, some of the composite materials out there they can run a lot more than that. Our average composite deck is in that thirty thousand dollar range. Now, the nice part about the composite decking is every now and then, like the one I have in my home, I just you'd run a Swiffer over it, never have mm -hmm. to finish it, never have to do anything. With a wood deck, it's still hard to duplicate the exact look of wood with any type of the composites, but every two to three years, you're going to have to finish it. Mm -hmm. Well, you know what we chose to do instead first? Hey, here's what's trending. We actually did a patio before we did a deck because, Andy, the sun sets in the front of our house and so we thought, well, there's a calmness there. And, and then we've got, we're in a community or in a development, but, but there's, there is some like uh, woods and for, just kind of right there. So the sun sets there. We picked the patio. We got that done first and we chose to do that first. And, and we really like that space. But obviously we'd, we'd like to add the deck at some point. Yeah, you know, um, and that's something that a lot of people have to do. They have to pick and choose what, what home improvement product they want to do first. But I'm telling you, when we get to build your deck, Corey, it's going to be a spot that you use 
all of the time. And, and some of the things that we're doing with decks nowadays, it's just the equipment that is available and what, what, what the entertainment that you can have on your deck, it's, it's second to none. Whether it's uh, some of the water features that we can add to the deck, some of the outdoor cooking features that we can add to the deck, it really can enhance your living space a great deal. Let's hang on to that conversation, a patio versus a deck. Let's hang on to that for, for just a couple of minutes here. First, let's look at 2020 trends. I mean, Andy, it's summer. I know outdoor living spaces, that's on the top of the mind for everybody. What are you seeing right now in terms of 2020 trends? Uh, for, for us, it, it, it is going to be about the outdoor kitchen. Um, because of dealing with COVID and, and not being able to maybe eat out as much as we used to, people are staying home more. They're looking to add additional living spaces and outdoor kitchens. And, and the modules that we can get nowadays to really build this kitchen and for the do-it-yourselfer, the options are endless. And I really mm. do think this is a project that most do-it-yourselfers could take on. So like an outdoor kitchen. Okay. Are we talking about running water? Are we talking gas, sink, fridge, stuff like that? Yeah. The, the one, I, one I just designed actually had two refrigerators, has running water, has a five-gallon water heater. It has electricity. It has a pellet grill. It has a, a stand-up smoker that can be that has a pizza oven insert. It has a flat-top griddle. It really is. It's like a short-order chef station that, that they can cook almost anything to their heart's desire. It even has a deep fryer station. That, wait, that was just somebody's outdoor living space? Somebody's outdoor kitchen? That was one person's? That was one person's outdoor kitchen, and it was L-shaped, about 14 feet in total length to get that. And, and the way we were able to order it, they, we were able to work with uh, some people at Charbroil, and they've made a module kit. Now we've taken some of the Charbroil uh, grills out and inserted a little bit better product, but their module kit was really easy to work with. And the homeowner is the one that brought this to us, which is... Most of the kits that we have just come with a framing and we're going to finish it off with some type of limestone for a countertop or Rosetta stone on the, on the edges. And that can get pretty expensive. You know, we talked about decks being $30,000. I price some outdoor kitchens that get into the $30,000 range. I mean, if you want, you can spend $10,000, $12,000 on a grill alone. Mm-hmm. What, so what you, you'd mentioned kind of the materials there, I suppose we're not seeing any wires. And so what, what does this space look like then? You, you said it was L shaped, but, but in terms of materials and no wires, how do you, and do you structurally and logistically lay it all out just right? Yeah, we're going to try to put in conduit underneath the deck that we can run the water lines and the electrical to. And the nice part about that is, you know, most of the, these are going to be seasonal. So if you live in any place that freezes, you're going to have to clear out those water lines and be able to, there's going to be some maintenance that your outdoor kitchen has. You're not going to have running water outside in the wintertime, but we try to hide those as much as possible underneath the decking. It really is some front end design work that goes into making this an, an easy process. And believe it or not, a lot of times we're building a deck and we're roughing that type of stuff in for maybe another future build. Well, with gas too, the thing is I'm always running out of gas with my propane tank and I never have enough. And I'm always like, oh, I can't do the burgers with, you know, I got to go run to Lowe's or Home Depot to get to get a refill. But just having the gas there, I mean, that would seem like that would be a, a really good option. 
Yeah, anybody that has uh, dealt with gas grills has, has had that, that tank run out of them halfway through the job and have to make the quick run and start the grill back up. It's just a, it's a nice feature having gas ran out to your desk, running off your house, and you never have to worry about tanks again. And what about a fireplace? Do these like outdoor kitchens or outdoor spaces, are you seeing fireplaces all over the place? Yeah, gas fireplaces, gas heaters, uh, there's there's water features that people are adding. They just Everyone's looking for a nice, calming, relaxing spot. Um, we just finished a deck that we put two tiers on, and one thing that they really wanted was just a hanging chair. That's the one thing that the customer kept talking about. I just want a hanging chair that I can sit in and relax every morning. And and that's what they have. That, that chair is now the most used chair in the house. Andy, if somebody comes to you and says, all right, should we do a patio or a deck first? What does that conversation look like? And what are the questions that you want to ask them to make sure that they get, if they're picking and choosing, they get the right thing done first? You know, a lot of it's going to depend on, on their landscaping and whether what their house is capable of. It's, it's pretty rare that we, we find a house that can have both. It, usually the landscaping and the design of the house is going to going to dictate what we're going to do. But if you are looking to maybe create a living space underneath your deck, if it's a second story deck, a lot of times we're going to put the patio in first and then the deck in second. And what we've done a lot is we come in afterwards and we can screen in that area. So now you have a screened in porch underneath your deck and there's some really nice under decking options. Here's the one secret about under decking. And, and under decking is just a brand name. There's probably 15 different products that are used to put underneath the deck to keep the rain away. None of them are 100% watertight mm. and none of them are maintenance free. All of them, just imagine this. How many times have you dropped something through a deck board? For me, more times than, than I like to count. Mm -hmm. Now, if that stuff gets into the underdecking and it clogs up any of the channels for water to get out, it's going to create some kind of backup and it could leak. So anticipate removing a deck board or two once a year to clean those out. That's something that people really don't talk about. And if you stop maintaining it, you can really run into some problems. Yeah. And, and the expense for patio versus deck would be how, how big you need to make it or how big you want to make it or how extravagant you want to make it too. Yeah, and, and a difference of poured cement versus putting in a paver patio, too, and logistics to get, depending on where the house is, how much excavating work has to be done on the front end. There's a, there's a lot of factors that go into it, uh, not just budget. A lot of it has to do with logistics and what can be done back there. As we talk about uh, summer 2020 trends, Andy, best outdoor home improvement project Lidness has completed in the past 12 months. What did it look like? Uh, you know, it was, it was an awesome project. Outdoor kitchen, uh, three-tier deck. Uh, it has a spiral staircase, which has become pretty popular with us on, on decks. Not only adding a second tier for like a breakfast nook, or but to get down to the ground. It's just a really easy way of doing it. And of course, the, the screened-in porch with the hot tub underneath it. This deck was 50 feet long. Hmm. Uh, came out 16 feet, wrapped around the one side of the house. Again, three tiers, but only part of it was up to the third story where they were able to walk out of the master bedroom, take a spiral staircase down to the regular stairs, take another spiral staircase down to the screened-in porch, which opens up to their beautiful lakefront property. It really was, uh, it's, uh, I can tell you this, it's a project 
that not only is something I'm really proud of, but it's a project that the neighbors have taken notice too because we have a whole bunch more that are in the works or in some type of design phase in that same area of the world. So a lot of people have really enjoyed it. Yeah, it sounds all right. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, I can tell you this. It, this deck, they put more money into this deck than oh, double what my first home cost me. Yeah, um, my I first home only cost me sixty-five thousand dollars, but I mean, a hundred and thirty thousand dollar deck is isn't something we get to work on very often. Yeah, we can dream though. We can dream. Hey, here's health. Before we go any further, I want to make sure that we we cross all the T's, we dot all the I's. So, how do we know, Andy? How can we compare home improvement bids? How do we know that we're working with somebody legit? I think the easiest way to, to really start to compare is, and I know people say apples to apples all the time, but the best way to do that is try to get as detailed of an estimate as you possibly can. And if the contractor you're working with isn't going to actually detail out and itemize what each item is going to cost you and what the labor is behind each item, chances are they might be trying to hide something. And it's really hard to compare prices unless you can see that my experience tells me that just for instance, if one price is $20,000 and one price is $15,000, more often than not, the $15,000 estimate is missing something. And that something might be a hidden cost that they hit you up with a change order later or something that costs you more down the road or they just leave it out and you start to miss whatever they left out eventually. So comparing the estimates apples to apples in an itemized bid is the easiest way, I think, to, to compare companies. When you say itemized estimate or detailed estimate, what does that mean exactly? What, what should we be looking for? Like materials or like how detailed is detailed is, is, is what I mean. Well, uh, for instance, uh, we were comparing uh, numbers with another decking company with one of our customers the other day, and they were marketably less. Turns out they were going to reuse the existing framing of their decking and just sister in more boards. Now, it's, it's not a giant expense on the, on the project, but you're talking about putting on a maintenance-free deck that could last 50 years. It seems really silly not to address the framing of the old deck uh, that's been there for 20 years already. So that, that was left out of their bid. It was just a number and it took some digging and it took some calling to find that out. But the framing was left out of the bid. When it comes to say a roofing project, you should know like the exact amount of ridge cap that's gonna be used, ice and water that's gonna be used, the underlayment that's going to be used. You should be able to know every material that's going to be bought for whatever home improvement project you're doing. Do materials cost the same for for each contractor and and so if so if they're could they be you know pricing those differently or should they be pricing those differently you know relatively speaking i mean there are some differences but not not a great percentage you know the more you buy the the cheaper things usually get so the bigger guys have some advantages there but we're probably talking five percent so most of us are buying the materials from the same places. It's pretty rare that a contractor is buying direct from manufacturers. We're all buying from, from supply houses somewhere. So the pricing is pretty similar. And, and the supply houses, they're pretty smart. They know if they give one guy a, a cheaper price than, than everybody else, that, that's going to spread pretty quickly. And, and I would imagine you'd always encourage people, get multiple bids, not just one. Yeah, one bid is a is a recipe for disaster. Usually, unless this is a contractor you've worked with before, always compare bids. My dad always told me something too when 
when I was young or just, you know, getting into to being a homeowner. But he's like, look, if you're going to do a project, don't try to cheap out by 500 bucks or a thousand bucks. If you're doing a major project, do it and then just do it right. Yeah. You know, well, just think that's that's almost for, for anything you buy. I, at least I know me. Anytime I've gone cheap, uh, I usually regret it. You know, I I buy the $100 thing instead of the $200 thing, the $100 whatever I bought breaks. The home improvements is no different. Every manufacturer has what they call their builder grade material and then their upper end grade material. And not only are the warranties different, but the type of materials used are, are typically really different. To the outside eye, it might not look that different. They're like even like shingles, uh, um, decking for sure. It might not look different than than what what the higher end stuff costs, but the longevity and the durability of it definitely is going to be. Hey, here's a pointer. All right. Talking outdoor living spaces, I think it's pertinent to talk about how you finish a deck, a natural wood deck, whether that is a Brazilian hardwood, like Ipe, or a cedar deck. And if it's really been wear, don't be afraid to sand it first. Sand it, get any of the worn spots off, any of the loose fibers, wood off, and then, here's the trick, use a brightener and conditioner to treat the wood. What this does is it opens the pores of the wood back up. Even if you have a brand new wood deck, I would use this because when wood goes through the mill, it actually creates heat and those pores of the wood can actually close up. So this brightener and conditioner is gonna condition the wood to take the stain. And the best type of stain that we've had luck with is an oil-based stain like Sickens or Penafin. The, the Penafin really does a good job of penetrating the wood. And the nice part about stains like that is you don't have to remove them to refinish them. So two years down the road, again, you wash it, put on the brightener conditioner, reapply the stain. And again, you're talking about a four hour project probably. And, and you're going to have a, a deck that looks like it's brand new. Andy, great stuff. You can find him lidnessconstruction.com. That was good, man. Yeah. A lot of fun. Thanks. 